wasn't lies, it was just bull****. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sun down, shining in him. Oh. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. I tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so uh, you know, that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you sixty thousand dollars. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sun down, shining in. Well, North Bank Stacks and Jacks. Now, tomorrow, Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures down 15. We were down more. Nasdaq Futures down 69. We have a few bank earnings out. We have JP Morgan up 289. All right, one seventy-three nineteen. No matter what, the guy seems to know what to say. Wells Fargo, not so much. Uh, well, Citigroup's down fifty cents, fifty-one fifty-five. So nothing significant there. Um, we got Wells Fargo. Let me check that one for a second. For those who might have some Wells Fargo, down eighty-four cents, uh, forty-eight twenty. So nothing crazy there either. Um, so the earnings season has officially started with the banks. Um, so Greg, or we have Kevin. Good morning. Morning. Were either of you two uh, gentlemen at the Ring of uh, Fame thing for the Bulls last night? No, I, you know, I'm, I'm interested to uh, pull up some videos of it later, though, because it, uh, um, it, uh, it probably was kind of cool. There's a lot of great names involved there. So uh, who, who showed up from the championship team? Nobody. Well, I mean, uh, uh, Radman, Pippen, and Jordan all had something else to do. I can't, you know, I'm sure they did. <laughs> okay. Um, Did Phil Jackson show up? That I don't know. I, I do know that I, one of my uh, people... Cause, I cause was, Rock, you know, uh, um, uh, Pippen made some very disparaging comments about Jackson, so it, it, that that would be interesting, would have been interesting to see the two of them show up at the same place. Well, Pippen's just... Uh, I think he's somewhat mad at life, and maybe he has the right reason. Uh, he had a crummy contract, and, and and what's his name, instead of just changing it. And making it somewhat better, did something. Oh man, I told him not to do it. God, I told him. I just, he sounded like the judge. You know, I sent people to the gas chamber. I felt I owed it to him. You know, type of thing. Um, yeah. I, uh, well, in in the end, though, they did do a, a big sign and trade for him, where he got the max money that he could get from anybody via the Bulls, and then they traded him off to, I don't know, Houston was it Houston or some something like yeah. that. So, but he also. They, he also they, got they, did, they did sort of the same thing that they did with Jordan. Is at the end of the contract, um, then they you know they did a big balloon deal at the end for whatever that's worth. You know, for whatever it's worth, because they could have just cut him loose at the end of his contract when they were uh, disbanding the team anyway. They could have just cut him loose, and uh, and he wouldn't have made as much money. Um, he ended up getting screwed by his agent. 
And then he, at, at some point, I don't know if he got a new agent. This is this is bizarre. He ended up hiring an accounting firm to watch the agent's investments and then hired a law firm to watch the accounting firm. And then the guy somehow screwed him over. The rumor I heard, again, rumor, not like I looked at the documents, was that the agent sold him his own Learjet in one of these deals where you rent them out to people. You know, to fly, me, you know, you got to fly it all the time yourself. Uh, it's the same thing that Warren Buffett owns part of. The, the one, the things, I don't know if you get them, Kevin, I get them all the time. You know, be a, be a member of this group. If you want to fly to New York, you can fly in a private jet, blah, 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 that you don't have to own. Anyway, apparently the guy, the guy sold him one that already was so loud it couldn't land at all the places it was supposed to land or something. <laughs> yeah, something bizarre. So I think the law firm ended up suing the accounting firm, and he got money back from one of them. Or something like that. It was really bizarre because I know a judge who was sort of involved. But uh, anyway, you know who was there, who was there last night? From I have on good authority because one of my buddies knows her. Uh, Johnny Kerr's granddaughter showed up. Nice. Yeah, family. I was talking about family members, and because uh, obviously Johnny's no longer with us. What a terrific guy he was. Everybody who came near the guy liked the guy. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and he would be. God, how old would he be? Uh, Oh, he'd have to be, you know, like in his 90s now if he it, were alive. Oh, at least. I mean, I'm going to say he was, well, my cousin was a freshman uh, at Tilden Tech when Johnny was a senior. I think my cousin's 88-ish. So, yeah, he'd be up there. Um, he played up against He Wilkins. was born in 32, so um, that would put him at 91 now if yeah. he were alive. So we're close. 82, maybe. Yeah, so we were, we were spot on. Uh, imagine that, um, but you know, fun. It's 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 scary how long ago it was. All this stuff happened. <clears throat> I remember uh, my stepfather somehow or another. We used to go see him once in a while. Their first year at the amphitheater. We talk about a small kind of crummy arena for basketball. Oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, but we saw the first night. Uh, I I saw the Rolling Stones there. I saw Santana there, and I saw Creed Credence there. And, and you know the opening act was for the Stones when I saw him? Uh, Stevie Wonder. Really? Yeah, it was a great show. It was an incredible show. Stevie Wonder was kind of, this was back in the exile on Main Street days. That was I think they were on tour for that album. And um, uh, uh, Stevie, you know, everybody knew little Stevie Wonder, the Motown guy. Yeah. Um, but he, he wasn't quite, you know, songs in the Key of Life Grammy Award winning Stevie Wonder. Um, so when they announced them, you know, the, my reaction anyway was, okay, this will be all right. Um, it, and it turned out that would have been worth the price of admission on its own. He was so good. Um, and uh, the guy plays an incredible number of instruments as well as, you know, being the singer-songwriter that we know. Um, and uh, uh, so, you know, it's, uh, it, 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 and the Rolling Stones were terrific. So I, I sort of count that as the best concert I've ever seen, uh, just based on the, uh, oh. um, you know, just based on the the quality of both acts that were there. I think Bo Diddley opened for Creed. Remember that guy? Yeah, Bo Diddley was great. Yeah, I, I saw him live once. Yeah, he was good. He, he was loud though too. We were on a, we were on the floor, man. You couldn't hear yourself yeah, think. The guy, the guy could play. He could make a guitar talk though. Oh God, yeah. Do we have Mr. Murphy? Yes, sir. You do. Good morning. Good morning. You're you're gonna tell us all about the the Hootie attack that you were saying we should be doing doing something. I guess they did something, eh? 
Well, first we want to yeah. hear about his his favorite Dion Warwick concert. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you were talking about Stevie Wonder. Actually, my wife and I saw Stevie Wonder at the Olympic Stadium in Munich a long time ago. And, wow. and that was a great concert. And we, uh, we saw uh, the Rolling Stones, actually, at a uh, Formula One venue called Hockenheim, which was about 10 minutes from our house in Germany. And we saw them there. And I don't think Mick Jagger stood still for really the entire concert. And it was a huge stage, you know, all kinds of... Uh, Oh, uh, uh, the stage was about, I would say, 50 to 75 yards wide, speakers all over the place, TV, you know, uh, TV screens is a fantastic performance. They were really good. And they probably had uh, 50 to 100,000 people there. Well, I always liked the, you know, I was never big on the huge, the big, huge venues. Um, I managed to catch a couple of them. The Auditorium Theater, which is just a spectacular place. Yeah, that was great. That was a great place to see a show. Yeah. I saw Emerson, Lake, and Palmer there, and I thought it was really unbelievable. You, you know, because of the venue. I mean, a lot of it was you, you had a real nice seat. The sound was great. I mean, uh, you know, sitting on the floor of the amphitheater was okay, but it wasn't like the auditorium. Yeah, it wasn't quite purpose built for music. No, no. So, hey, Mike. So, what uh, asked you to come on here? What well, a lot of a lot of stuff happened yesterday, and they uh, they're. A lot of people are talking about how it was just us and the Brits and nobody else helped, but do they really expect Singapore to send a plane? I don't know. I mean, uh, No, that, that, that isn't going to happen, but uh, it's about time we counterattacked. What, uh, uh, who, who are the people? Who are the bases? I mean, I, what kind of... What, I have no idea, Tom. I, you know, the uh, Houthi rebels have been out there for a long time. The Saudis have been trying to get them, or they've attacked them before. Uh, and now finally we did it since they're affecting trade in the Red Sea. So it, it's about time we reacted. All this, you know, we've done two attacks, and it's really been since, uh, uh, what do you call it, since uh, Secretary Austin went AWOL. So maybe that, uh, maybe he did some thinking while he was AWOL uh, at Walter Reed and decided he ought to do something. Well, how, how long, if it's, coordinated through, they said it was coordinated through everybody, even though the people were involved in this, uh, and there's a bunch of countries. Um, how, how long does something like that take, Mike, just to take it from somebody saying, we better do something, till the day you actually do something? By the time you, do they all meet? Do they have a Zoom? Do they just call each other? Does somebody just take the lead and say, this is what we're doing? No, they usually have liaison officers in uh, some sort of headquarters. So I imagine it was... Uh, coordinated through CENTCOM uh, that's what I would think and they uh, it probably didn't take them too long since they uh, um, since they were able to pull it off relatively quickly but it, I mean one or two days at most the liaison officers would tell their nations what they're what we are planning to do or what they are planning to do and then they would uh, conduct the attack well, did, did the attack come from planes off carriers or ground bases or missiles? I or? would imagine they came from planes off carriers. But, you know, we have planes in Diego Garcia. We have, uh, we probably have planes in Bahrain. So they could have come from land, too. It doesn't really matter. So you could, you and could they send could have a, come from both, too. You could send a, a B-52 
up from Diego Garcia and the thing's 50 miles away and it could fire off five missiles turn around and go back, right? Yes, it could. What, uh, how do you, I mean, I, I don't think we have, do we have boots on the ground in, in, in Yemen? I don't think so. Maybe we do. Uh, uh, no, I don't think so either. So when you, when you figure out the bases, when, when all the, when all the, the uh, drones or whatever, whatever they're doing, or hel- they actually have a couple helicopters that are harassing ships with too, right? Wherever they yes. take off from, you what? You watch that by satellite, or how do you do it? And you figure out where they're all coming from. Yeah, you watch it by satellite or whatever means. They could have. They could be using uh, uh, planes for surveillance also, and they'll, you know, and they'll figure out what their target is or targets, and uh, and they would have had probably a list of targets from before also, and then they would just strike them. Then the Saudi, Saudis used to do this once in a while, right? Or at least a couple of them? That's correct. The Saudis have been against the Houthi rebels for a long time. So maybe we, some of their intelligence worked its way over. It, yes, it could have. How do, you, how do you know if you were successful? Just if, if, if like a week from now it's, there's a lot less of it? Well, as long as the Air Force drops bombs, it's a successful mission. you know. So it, they don't have to hit anything. But, uh, but you know, they, they can... Uh, do a uh, flyover later, or check with satellites, and then uh, figure out the the uh, bomb dis- BDA battle damage assessments to see how how well they did. Um, there's got to be places where they assemble the drones and those kinds of things. That's probably what they're looking for. Yes, and they, you know, it's probably just about anything to be honest. Well, as long I mean, as they you- hit something. Well, if they've got these little boats that are scooting out from somewhere, I don't think it's probably all that difficult to find out where they're scooting out from, right? No, it's not. Because they could do the same thing with Iran, too. You know, all those Zodiac boats that they use, that's what hit the the coal years ago was uh, about four or five Zodiac boats. Well, what exactly is a Zodiac boat? Yeah, it's small. It's those little rubber boats that the Navy uses, you know, that, that go real fast and... Uh, that they take out and they circle or they go around, uh, you know, Navy ships, and then uh, they'll hang off the front or the back of the Navy ship and then just kind of harass the Navy or whatever else is going on. Are they shooting or just pissing them off? No, they're shooting. Uh, They're usually shooting something, probably small arms fire. So just enough to be a pain. They're just there as a harassing tactic. Unless you get hit, then then it's more than just harassing. That's correct. That's right. If one of the bullets finds you, then it's it's a lot more serious, I would, I would think. Um, how much, I mean, uh, what kind of, what, I mean, how far away, it seems like, well, the aircraft carrier came out of that area, though, right? The, the Ford came home? I have no idea, Tom. I, I haven't. Yeah, I saw I that last been. week. They said it was just it was yeah. just out there so long they had to bring it back. I mean, and, uh, there still was one in the, in the Mediterranean. So there wasn't one all that close, I don't think. Well, but, I mean, you have forces throughout that area, so I think that, you know, they could have, it wouldn't have been too difficult to attack, I don't think. So even if you're in the Mediterranean, you can, you can throw a, uh, a, what do they call them, the, 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 the refueling thing halfway there and, and fuel everybody back up, and you go pretty far, right? Off the, right, the, yes, you can. Now, are those guys, refueling guys, they... 
they don't take off from the carrier, do they? They, they? they go from a land place close to them, or how do they, they usually work? go from a land place close to them. Like, you know, uh, Gene and I and Patrick actually have been on flights where they were practicing refueling over the Atlantic. We took off from Dover and then they refueled and and then we moved, went on to Germany. What kind of plane were you on? It was a C five, actually. It's a big plane. And oh, so they, were, they, uh, my, we were the fueler or the fuel E. Uh, we were the fuel E. Really? And it when the, when they do the refueling, it gets a little rough sometimes. Actually, Patrick got sick one time. At why? Least. Why was uh? I guess I I shouldn't be surprised, but why? Why particularly then does it get rough? Well, because during the refueling, the the plane is losing power and gaining power and. They they have to keep the plane level, and it it just uh, it just leads to a rough ride for a while. Oh, so it's like if somebody kept pushing the gas and letting go in the car, you get sick pretty much. Exactly, that's exactly right. Yeah. Did he have a, a air sickness bag, or were you the bag? Oh, we did have some air sickness bags. Yeah, you gotta have those. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what what it, it, the upshot or. Uh, they said they don't think they were a complete success, like these guys aren't going to be harassing anybody anymore, but they think they did pretty good. Is they, Evidently, the assessment I'm seeing, is that probably what the truth is? That probably is what the truth is, you know, because it's going to be hard for them to get everything all at once, that's for sure. So at least they've made a decision to finally attack back, and now uh, they ought to keep doing it. And, and now they also need to do something about the attacks that Iran is uh, uh, planning and executing, you know, on forces in Iraq and Syria. They need to hit that harder, too. Um, boy, oh, boy. I, uh, this, this whole this whole Iraq thing, I, I, I thought it was a bad idea when we did it how many years ago, and now it's really a bad idea, huh? With a busting that place up. As bad as Saddam was, he's probably better than the Iranians. Well, that's could be true but you know they made a military case or they made a fiscal case to eliminate Saddam Uh, that was guys that I knew at the war college and uh, it turns out that that wasn't really all that accurate so no it's a well I mean is there there any chance how does I mean the history of it is it's I know a little bit of it it's kind of vague but weren't the weren't the borders a lot in those areas drawn by a young Churchill and T.S. Lawrence or something? I mean, the, the border... Yeah, they were made by the Brits, right. And uh, is there any chance somebody can unify the current Iraq? I mean, I'm not saying we want another Hussein, but can any is anybody up for that job? Or are the places uh, not... It would be difficult because, you know, you have essentially three distinct groups. Maybe they could have a confederation, you know, do something like the United States of Iraq. Uh, with limited power to the states and uh, federal uh, or, you know, decent power to the states and a weak federal government. That's actually what Biden wanted to do uh, many years ago. Turns out it didn't work out, but, uh, you know, that's kind of what they, uh, they, they still have tried to do that. You've got the Kurdish territories, you've got the uh, uh, Sunni territories, and then you have the Shia territories. Um, I think, in, in in some ways, that makes kind of perfect sense. But the, and I'm not, you know, obviously there's pluses and minuses of a strong central government. But, um, but Kevin, Kevin, how how does that work out 
money-wise? I mean, do you have do you have one currency? Do you have three? I mean, you have to have somewhat of a in, in today's monetary world. You have to have some. I think uh, you'd have to have one currency. I would think. And oh, they, just go with go with Bitcoin. You know, we can go with Bitcoin. <laughs> well, no, they in the old days they did have one currency. It was the dinar. So they they're used to having one currency. I don't think that would be the issue. But, I mean, you have to have. In other words, for you to be on the world stage, though, your government at least has to be strong enough to for for trade and to make deals and those kinds of things. You know what I'm saying? There needs to be some sort of a a central uh, way of doing business, for lack of a better term, um, for people. Don't you think? Well, I mean, yeah, you can't run an economy without currency. So yes, uh, absolutely, you have to have that. What? Uh, so what do you make of uh, now? If you were a uh, securities firm, say, and somebody somebody very good managed to hack in, even maybe with a uh, you know the help of a client, and get money out of some account, which has happened to mostly all firms. Uh, not only do you pretty much have to pay the person, uh, you know, the money that's gone, you also Every regulatory area jumps on you and wants to fine you for letting it happen in the first place. Now the SEC let themselves get hacked two days ago. Are they going to find themselves? You think? Oh, are yeah, they going to find? Yes, them? but they have to pay themselves. So, are they going to fire people? Are they going to have uh, write people up? Are they going to harass people for months like they do to a regular firm? Well, look, here, here's here's the issue always with the with the technology and uh, etc. So, and, and my understanding is that one of the big things they, they weren't even using two-factor authentication, which is kind of you know your your one of your you know standard operating procedure types of things. So, you know, people should be fired over that. But um, it, it you know you, you cannot be breach-proof. It, it you know there there is no such thing unless you just are not plugged into the internet. Um, and but there, there is a whole lot you can do, a whole lot of diligence you can do that would be considered standard, you know, standard procedures. And there might be things that you can do because you're the SEC and you have to be harder to hack. And so there are other measures that you can take that people might, you know, in, in the business world might consider, um, you know, acceptable risk. I can't afford to make the, uh, um, the capital expenditures that I need to be that much more secure so you know that that's all there the, so the, the question isn't do you get fired because there's a breach any more than you should be fined because there is a breach the question is were you negligent did you have a, a breach because you were negligent and you know that's what what we're looking at with the SEC if, and 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 many others as well I mean you can go back to the target breach target was you know was incredibly negligent uh, they they had all the tools that they needed to avoid that. Uh, oh, it's, gosh, it's probably been five six years. Oh now. yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, but it, it's probably they had all the tools they need. They just didn't use them. They they, they intentionally turned off some of the uh, functionality. You know, we had a, uh, um, a a huge breach, and <laughs> we have somebody here in the office that will will never enter the store again. Um, what Costco? Remember how they they famously would only take American Express for like years. And then uh, they went to, uh, I think they're with City now. And, but they they took it upon themselves to wing everybody's information from American Express to City. I mean, you had to really go through a the hoop to not get your your card transferred over to tell them you didn't want it to. And one of the people here who's actually on my card, because everybody in the office, we're, we all got, I'm a, we're all Costco members, t- to this day is still getting 
uh, credit cards in his name. He can't. He, he almost can't get a card because his his identity is so hacked from that move. I mean, it, it, to the point where, you know, it, it, it's it's you know it, it's not uh, credit threatening or anything like that, but it's but it's a royal pain in the behind. And yeah, it, I, that was I, five I years ago. And and in those cases, you know, it, it, it's whether it was negligence or not. You know, certainly the company owes uh, uh, the people who are harmed by it. The, the company absolutely owes them uh, retribution for that. So, you know, I would say that that's one of the things that uh, that can be your long-term consequence is that you continue to have to uh, pay to uh, take care of people. It, you know, if you've ever, uh, you know, if you have ever been a customer of anybody who's been breached, the first thing they always do is buy you identity protection, you know, and, and that's, that's as much a gesture as anything. Um, but they'll, you know, they'll go buy you like a two year subscription to it. And, uh, uh, and that'll be, uh, that'll be part of their retribution. Um, and then they just hope to God that it doesn't blow up into something really, really big. Well, they're, they, whoever you call in this situation, that's what we want to talk about too much more. Is it, if you call Costco, they're going to say, gee, it must've been American Express's fault because they're the people that they don't have anymore. If you call them, they're going to say, all right, we got it all to, to Citigroup clean. They must have it. I mean, I can't imagine you being in that, that circle jerk, basically. Yeah, I, it, that would be a problem. And, you know, this, and it's, it's actually, it's a situation that really calls for a lot of transparency and a lot of integrity. And unfortunately, you don't get that every time. You do get it. I, you know, I, I have seen and, you know, I follow this kind of stuff because I, I, I bring it into the classroom all the time. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's uh, you know it, it's it, it's always worth seeing what happened, studying what happened, understanding what happened, and seeing how people go about reacting to it. And there are some companies that do a real uh, a real nice job on the cleanup side of it, and there are others that uh, you know they they don't even report it to their customers until they just have to, and often enough that's months later when more damage is done. Well, if you have regulators involved. You're always at fault, but they're never at fault. It's just, I mean, I, I, you can tell I have a bad, bad taste for these people. Anyway, sure, you're just down that, to you know, that, that would lead us into talking about Boeing. But before we yeah. do, I, I do have a question for Mike. Well, we'll, uh, we'll get a couple more for Mike, too, after break. Uh, but we got, we got a dash here uh, for a second. S&P Futures down 12, Nasdaq Futures down 53. We also have the <sighs> CPI numbers that came in a little hot. Talking about we got PPI today. I'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, 
Well, no back stocks and jacks. I'm tomorrow. Greg Pappas on the board. SP futures down 11. NASDAQ futures down 49.50. Uh, we were down quite a bit more than that. Dow futures are down 179. Uh, uh, that's mostly all. United Health is down uh, $28. They had earnings last night. Glad I didn't do anything in there. Uh, they're down 28 bucks. We've got uh, Goldman Sachs down a buck 87. We got CVX is up two bucks because oil is going to be up here when we get the oil. A lot of it's because of what's going on over in the Red Sea. Got, uh, but other than that, we've got J.P. Morgan up three bucks. So we've got you know conflicting stuff on the Dow, but the main one is twenty nine dollars down on UNH. Now that's almost seven dollars, so that's that's pushing two hundred points right there in one stock. Because the multiplier is six point eight for those that don't know. Uh, so if, if a stock in the Dow is down one dollar, it's six dollars and eighty cents in the average, which is kind of weird, but that's the way it's come out after all these years. Dex up eighty four point five percent. FTSE up forty seven point six. Cack around up 49.7, so um, bullishness over there. And we're coming back here pretty quick, so I'm not so sure we won't be up on the day that we came back almost all the way yesterday. Over in Asia, uh, Nikkei up again, 527, 35,577. These guys are running for kind of almost a bubble over there now. Uh, Hang Seng down 57.3%, Shanghai down 4. So again, we've got the Nikkei going one way and then mainland China going the other. I don't know. Uh, well, obviously, they're two different places, but that's a little bizarre, day after day after day. Yesterday, Dow ended up up 15 points, S&P down 3, and NASDAQ uh, up 53 cents, so flat. But we were down a lot during the day and came pretty much all the way back. Well, in some cases, we came all the way back. Uh, bonds, <coughs> up two basis points. Get this, 3.999, about as close as to 4 as you can get. The button down three basis points, 2.18. Japan down 1 at 0.59. Japan's been... We're in a point or two of 0.60 now for weeks, it seems. Well, as you might expect, up 271, 74, 73. So it's kind of broken out of this 71 and a half to 73 and a half range. We'll see if it stays there. Brent up 277, 80, 20. Natural gas up six cents, 315. As the center of the country is getting colder, as we can feel it here. Our Bob up seven cents, 218. <clears throat> We've got gold up 34 hours. A big move in gold, 2053. Silver up 50 cents, 2.2%, 23.21. Guess I should have bought some silver yesterday. Uh, copper up one cent, 3.78. It's always easier the next day to make these trades. It really is. Bitcoin down 518, 46,003. As they're going to have, they now have 11 ETFs. They're going to start with Bitcoin, and somewhere during the show, maybe with Carl, we'll talk about this. This is going to be a, a goat bleep, I think. Um, none of them is none of them is hedgeable to the other one. So if you're making markets in them. And you buy one of the ETFs and sell another one, you're not hedged. you got a margin both sides. You can only imagine what a fiasco that's going to be. Uh, maybe Greg will opine on that. Uh, we have the U.S. dollar is up a little bit. Euro at 109.4 and the British pound at 127.2. Greg, what do you have for us? Traffic, weather, sports, the burbs. Traffic, not, not so good. Yeah, morning, everyone. <clears throat> 6.36 here Central Time. Chicago, 34 degrees right now. With a winter storm warning, traffic is getting a little bit worse due, due to the... Uh, seeing and and wet roads uh phoenix is 35 it's actually the same temperature there as it is here uh, they've got 56 today mostly sunny and cool though inbound kennedy i'll take their 35 over ours yeah and the in the uh snow here not so great traffic inbound kennedy from montrose 16 minutes inbound edens from lake cook 37 minutes ike from wolf 29 minutes 95th to the interchange is 27 and inbound Stevenson, 294 on the Rhine is 37 minutes. NHL, Coyotes lose to Calgary. 
That was at home, 6-2. Ouch, that was never close, 4-0 in the first period. And the Hawks lose in Winnipeg. That was 1-2. Only other thing I got for you is men's college basketball. Number 10, Illinois, uh, edged out Michigan State. That was 71-68 in Champaign. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. Mike, I know I know you hate it when I, when I do this, but I'm, I'm going to do it anyway because I think a lot of people... How does something like this that nobody could have planned, I don't think... Eight months or a year ago, how do you get how do you get all the missiles and all the stuff ready to do this? I mean, is it, is the stuff in Diego Garcia? Let's say they came, some of them came from there, or is the aircraft carrier fully supplied, and none of that stuff was 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 begged to go to Ukraine or anything, or is is now these there's there a problem here? We better re re reload these places and we better get stuff back no, out there. the aircraft carrier was probably fully stocked uh diego garcia stuff could have come from there they could have brought stuff from bahrain and uh um and they, you know there's ammo stores in europe still uh, although i don't know about the navy but the navy's got bases in italy so they could have been supplied from there too so I don't think supply would have been the issue for for this stuff, anyways. But but it, but is it today? Are phone calls being made saying, "Hey, we need some more of these bags." Oh yeah, probably they they're probably looking for more stuff. Exactly. And how? What's the? I mean, depending on the on the part, uh, you know, it's some people say we'll see you in a year. Some people six weeks. I mean, depending on what it is, right? Yes, exactly. But I would assume, you know, for uh, for bombs coming from aircraft, they should have a decent amount of that stuff because that is hasn't been used as much in Ukraine or in Israel, to my knowledge. The stuff that's really, uh, you know, Patriot stuff for that the Israelis have used, those interceptor missiles that the Israelis have used. And just long-range artillery <clears throat> that we've probably had a supply to Ukraine. Those things are probably short right now. Okay, but so but none of this a rate of this magnitude, even though you know we don't know the nuts and bolts of it, you can estimate pretty good. That's not. We got to go back to Congress and tell them we want another fifty million bucks, something like no, that. No, they shouldn't have to go back to Congress for that. No. Okay, Kevin, you had a question. Yeah, Mike. Um, I don't know. Uh, this is just sort of the the political angle, and I, I mean it more in the geopolitical sense. But what what prompted the U.S. to remove the Houthis from the um, the terrorist watch list and whatever legal ramifications come from that? Uh, only a few months ago, because you know we made that decision, and now here here we are, like three months later, in a shooting war with them. Yeah, Kevin, I have no idea on that one. It, you know, the Biden administration makes kind of uh, decisions that are based against common sense or that run counter to common sense. And that's one that I think uh, really backfired on them. It, it, you know, it's just like, the, you know, shipping money to uh, Iraq and then that money gets to Iran, however it was, to pay for electrical uh, you know, they, it's just silly what we're doing at this point. And now I think because we're, you know, we're in the, we're beginning for the midst of an election year, and Biden has to show that he's a little tougher. So, so now they're reacting. So that that's some of what I think 
the thinking might be now. Well, Mike, isn't that stuff, uh, <clears throat> without getting into a political thing, Every doesn't every 10 years uh, there's a, might be more than that, uh, there's an assessment of the, the top 10 religious uh, countries that are, you can't, there's no religious freedom. And in the top 10 always is Saudi Arabia, and no matter who's president, they pull them out of the top 10, so they're not in there. I mean, this is not... This, this this happens all the time for people you no. you like or for herds or something. No, you're right. The Saudis are a, a not so reliable ally. So, uh, and in that respect, you're exactly right. I mean, uh, all we were, you know, in Desert Shield and Desert Storm were mercenaries, you know, and you know, and I was part of that mercenary force. Because those guys, uh, you know, if you look at the uh, the list of people. Foreign countries that own U.S. treasuries, they're still not listed. They're like in an other column because that was part of the oh. deal we made with them back in the oil embargo in the seventies. Well, is China listed? Oh you yeah, know, I have oh, no sure idea. There. Sure there. Okay, they're like oh. number three, in fact. Yeah, they're probably pretty high up, right? They, well, they used to be one, and now I think they're. I think Japan's back to one, and somebody else might be two. You know, it's pretty big as Ireland. Uh, in there because they, there's a lot of people with their money in Ireland and they, they come over here and buy uh, you know you know it was even crazier some of the stuff when you, you talk about the politics and you know unfortunately I've been mean, to my opinion this day and age if if you don't like the administration you 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 pin it on them like if it, they were the only ones when those when the companies were in my opinion and if Bob Goldman was still alive we'd, we'd like that for a lot of reasons but one of them being we could ask him about taxes uh the companies that had the stuff overseas and couldn't bring it back you know, without being paid taxes, so they had these big war chests overseas. Our government, I'm going to say whoever was in government, made a deal that if you if you bought treasury securities, you could bring it back for that reason. How's that for a deal? Huh. Well, How's that's that? a good, uh, and I mean, that's not a bad idea. And then the Trump administration said they could bring it back too, so. Well, that's that like saying, if, the- yeah, but it's like saying if you, if you uh, are, are a street gang and you got all this money in the bank, uh, we're going to go after it on a RICO thing, except if you buy Chicago uni bonds, then it's okay. It's like, really? <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> Chicago may need to resort to that. <laughs> w- 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 without a doubt. Uh, all right, so what about Boeing, Kevin? What do you do about those guys? Um, put pe- well, they should put people in jail. Uh, my, I, that's, that's premature. I, I do get a kick out of the FAA is, gonna, is going to investigate. Yeah, uh, because uh, they're responsible for oversight in the first place. Uh, so. Well, but you're not you're not responsible for people screwing a bolt tight. I mean, can you can you imagine if every single operation of every manufacturer hit some twenty five year old dumb bureaucrat looking over his shoulder? Oh, no, I, I understand that, Tom. But they, by the same token, uh, there there are regular audits. There are now again, you're auditing. Basically, you're looking at a sample. So you know samples only catch so much they, they catch you know if, if something is systematically wrong then um, you know sampling is going to catch it but if something is periodically wrong then you have to be lucky enough to do the audit at the right time but I, I have to believe with not knowing a damn thing about the uh, um, the procedures involved that when you're talking about a regulated industry like manufacturing um, uh, aircraft uh, that that have to be licensed to and approved to fly in the United States, 
that there is an audit process in place where people have to go on and say, are you following the procedures that you've created? Um, are, are you, you know, are you systematically, do you have your own self-checks? Do you have, you know, all of those things that go into um, managing the quality of a product, you would think that that would be part of, um, you know, of the FAA's responsibility. So now they're going to go look into it and say, oh, here, here's where you were wrong. How about here's, you know, a little bit of self-awareness that says, here's where we uh, broke down in our oversight of your process. I, uh, just just because I, mean, I, I have no experience, well, some of the guys from Pullman came from Boeing, and a lot of our systems and stuff were designed by those people. So this is, you know, this is 40 years ago. So I, I have a little bit of a experience on some of this, very little, like one on a scale of 100, maybe a 4, um, I, I don't believe Kevin, and I, I you know, somebody's allowing us to. Trump is hoping against hope that it's three guys and three women and went out every day and got drunk at lunch, and somehow didn't tighten these bolts in ten planes. I find that incredibly hard to believe. I don't. I don't think that's the system. I, I think somewhere in the design, now a nine, I believe is essentially an eight bigger so it's a stretch of some kind and now the eight is again some kind of a of an advanced form of the 737 which is a lot bigger than the 737 was i think that somehow some way there's stresses on that plane that are causing these things to loosen up it's not somebody forgot to tighten them i i i hope that's true but I give it I, about I a zero percent yeah, chance i don't know and it could be it could it could be that the root cause is the engineering is is the uh, is the design issues in the first place? Well, um, someone at Alaska Airlines knew not to fly over water, so they were obviously doing some sort of inspection because they made a deliberate decision to fly over land, vice water. So really, somebody was looking at that aircraft. But I'm going to say that a lot of the approval process from your um, your your government who's ever doing it. Kevin has to do with performance. I mean, testing of material. In other words, if if you got new wings, there's new wing tests that you have to do. I mean, you have to have, you have to follow your procedures. You know, I, you know what's fascinating? Have you ever seen a a film that when they when they test a wing, they actually take it all the way to break it? Go, go on YouTube. Find it, it is it is incredible when you see these wings actually break. I mean, there's a certain you know certain uh, stress they're supposed to be able to take, but they always take it all the way to see. They like it to be, you know, two times whatever, or two or three times whatever the stress has to be. But they always take it all away just to see how good it really is. And it's bizarre to see those things fly apart all of a sudden. You know, ten times the stress they'll ever get flying. But it makes sense that they would be doing that. Yeah. Because, um, you know, you, you want to know, uh, you know, how, how, how many standard deviations out do you have to be? Uh, before it breaks, so that you can you can make sure you don't come anywhere close to that. Well, what I'm what I'm saying is you're gonna you're gonna get that test is procedure and you might actually get an FAA person there for those tests and those kinds of things and they're clearly going to read those reports because I don't think the FAA people are dummies I think they're actually pretty good but, but but you're not going to have somebody show up at the test facility and test to see if a bolt is tight I mean, I mean that's not going to happen uh, nor should it but they're going to say show me the documentation that tells me that um, that you you know that at each step no. of the way that you are doing everything that you're supposed to be doing you know how many parts are on a 747 400? 
Uh, oh, I don't know, probably about $16 million. You know, God knows. It's actually 6 and there's $3 million on a 777. That's a lot. Yeah. That's, that's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, this is, you know, this is a, a terrible process to have to manage, but it's the, as Hyman Ross said, this is the business we've chosen. Well, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's, because everyone is compartmentalized and you got to make sure, I mean, it, and it's not as hard as you think, because people, people do take pride in this. I mean, your, your workers actually are very aware of putting together a plane for God's sake. They, I hope they are. I mean, my, the people at Pullman... They do take pride unless you beat them into submission and, uh, yeah. and, and rob them of uh, their ability to take pride in their work. Well, that's the truth. I mean, uh, I mean, I, people had huge pride in railroad cars at Pullman, but still, the railroad car wasn't about to fall out of the air. I mean, uh, that's a little more more severe, I would think. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, it, I, it's, a, it's a binary outcome. So. I, I just hope they didn't stretch the hell out of this thing no. to where it just to where it just is is just an engineering that it's not going to be around ten years from now because it can't handle the stress. I hope that's not it. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree. They, they, you know, you look. One of the uh, one of the things you always worry about with engineering, and this is always the uh, um, the, the the case that goes back and forth. The challenge of being an engineer and the challenge of running your business is to say, you know, what. What do you do in the name of cost cutting, and what where do you draw your lines? Um, and uh, you know, there there is always that time when somebody's going to say, "Well, no, that's too expensive. That's the pressure that you have." And you say, "Then this thing is not going in the air. It, it you know, it, it can't go in the air. If you can't afford to do it this it, safely, you can't afford to do it." And you know, God knows, you know, we'll find out. You know, eventually. Somebody will, you know, there will be a whistleblower or somebody if it's if necessary. If there's if there's no transparency, if they're not candid in this appraisal of it, uh, we'll find out eventually. But you know, it, I, I just wonder when you consider all of the entities involved and all of them, uh, all of the duties that they have to make sure that they have, uh, you know, whether you want to go Six Sigma or whether you know whatever you want to call the the processes that they use, um, that that they're solid and that they uh, uh, and, and that they ensure uh, uh, a high quality product here. Um, you know, there, there's just so many hands in this pie, and I, I would like to know if one of them broke down, if all of them broke down. You know, it. it well, let me give you a. Uh, was it multiples? I you know I think that there's just so much here. But how much and, in your classes, Kevin? If uh, if you were to look at you know, if you could go back at the design team for the the DC-8, the 747, the older planes, 727, the design team would be something along, I, you know, I don't know what the motivation, I, I can speculate, that this has to be a plane that is going to be last for 40 years. It's going to be easy to maintain or relatively easy to maintain as best we can. Uh, it's going to be powered X, you know. Gas was 20 cents a gallon. All right, so you... You had you had these motivating factors when you put this thing together. We have to have it over water, so we need three engines. We need whatever you need. So now, all of a sudden, years later, the motivation is we've got to lighten up because now gas is two bucks a gallon or three bucks a gallon, and our motivation now is is fuel efficiency. And whenever we can take out an ounce, we will. Now you've gained a lot of knowledge along the way, and you've got hopefully with computers and everything helping you, you should be better than some dude sitting there with a slide rule. But your motivation now becomes taking weight out of the plane, uh, and then the next plane is going to weigh twenty percent lighter, or twenty-five, or something. 
and we're going to have two engines instead of three, and a lot of that is fine um, to a point. I'll give you a, I'll give you a cliff well, note. It's, it's great, and, there's, and we have technologies now that allow us to use designs that we never could have used before that are sturdier and more lightweight at the same time. Well, I'll give you a, a quick example. This one, you guys, the whole world doesn't care about pickup trucks, but for some reason, <laughs> I, 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 I'm pretty into pickup trucks. And if you have the, the model that ended in 1999 on the, the General Motors or, or Chevy, whatever Chevy picked me up, if you go anywhere where you see people you know, going down the alleys picking up stuff and going to the, the metal, re- if you look at 100 of those pickups, probably 90 of them are Chevys from the, ni- from the 90s. Not newer ones. Now, in 1999, because they actually owned one of these, 1999, they dropped the size of the engine a little bit and lightened up the truck to where they were going to get better gas mileage, like one or two miles per gallon, and lightened up the frame. Okay, and I'm sure on somebody's computer, everything was fine. But yet now, 10, 15 years out in the street, any kind of rust on that frame weakens it to a point where you got problems. You have to actually weld a new piece in. You have to. You never had to do that with the old ones. So the difference between being on the computer now this plane is new, so this story doesn't really apply there. But this, this, they they obviously were not able to uh, simulate 15 years of a Chicago salt winter. And all of a sudden you have the. So if you're going to buy one of those, the first thing you ask the guy, what do the frames look like? And you better get it inspected before you buy it. Because if it's any, but that the old ones, you never had to look at them. But now, they, but they were 500 pounds heavier and one or two miles per gallon less. Now, the, but there's always a trade-off, Kevin. Especially once you get out somewhere and you beat the hell out of it, because the the problem is defining your environment. You know, what's your environment? I'm sure General Motors doesn't take Chicago winter with a salt truck in front of you as part of the environment, but it is. You know. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I will tell you that I believe um, that the risk. I mean, it really it really does become a, a risk assessment uh, exercise as to what you will and won't allow in your designs and, and how far you'll get it. And the risk profile of a single automobile, you, you certainly don't want those crashing too because people lose their lives, but it's not the same as a plane falling out of the oh, sky. Oh, right. Um, if you have rust on your but, frame. But there's you know, a, there's yeah. a completely different risk profile that you would use for a, um, uh, a school bus. Right, um, it, you know, and and so it it everything has it it's uh, you know I mean there's all it's always a financial analysis type of uh, exercise and and we can't make that go away. You have to make decisions. You know, there people are in business to be profitable, so I get that. But you're not in 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 business to be profitable and kill people at the same time unless you're in the pharmacology business. Well, yeah, because so, then you get protected. Um, you you yeah, can't sue. Not, Carl can talk a little bit about that when when uh, when we get to his segment because he just put out some interesting stuff yesterday. So, Mike, uh, you know, we talk. Well, Jimmy Carter, his wife just died, and Jimmy's not in the best shape. Um, how much different is the world since the Iran thing that was a big mess up there, where they used the wrong helicopters and all the other crap that went on, where you really didn't have a SEAL Team Six, you didn't have. I, I got this thing that happened yesterday. You know, despite who, whatever administration it is, it sure seemed to me like the the the, the communication and the uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, the coordination between the different. If there's Air Force involved, if there's Navy involved, if there's spy lights involved, it seems like the coordination is light years better than it was 
30 years ago. I mean, is it, how, how does this one, if, 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 if the president says, I, I think we're going to, we got to do something about these Houthi guys, who does he call? Is it the head of the Joint Chiefs? Who does he say, we need to do something this week? No, he's going to call uh, the CENTCOM commander. And in the old days, during the Carter administration, there was no CENTCOM. And so, you know, you right now you have the unified and specified commands. So that, that helps with coordination. And, and actually, uh, foreign countries send liaison officers to a CENTCOM or where, 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 is, where is CENTCOM is it a, is there a location CENTCOM is at McDill in Florida okay that's where the headquarters is UCOM is at Patch Barracks in Germany so you know now you have centralized commands that work these issues and they do it all the time so they're very familiar with uh, how things or how how you should operate uh, so it, it it makes the command and control much easier and much better. So and if there's a, a, a plane coming from a carrier, he knows that, by the way, coming in the other direction are there missiles from other place, right? That's correct. That, that, that would all have been pre-briefed, and they'll know who else was up in the air and the whole bit. And so, I mean, it, it's been a... Now, did you, did you work on a lot of that stuff? I mean, it, obviously, it's a massive difference than it was during the 70s. Right. Well, you know, I was at CENTCOM during the, uh, the Operation Desert Shield, Desert Storm. So everything was coordinated from there. And then I, w- I, I was never at UCOM, but I was at the United States Army Europe, which was a subordinate command of UCOM. So, you know, we receive an order from UCOM and then we implement the order. That That's how it goes. And it's all coordinated. But those guys there, there's representatives of you know army navy air force marines all in the place so there's not like anybody's excluded like in the old days no that's correct everybody's working together and how do they how do they decide if it's a a seal team six project that comes out of there too or does it come somewhere the else? operators decide that they'll figure out who's going to do what and and that's and then they issue the order and then that's what happens well it's not, i mean that it seems like Whatever they did, I mean, of course, nobody knows. But it seems like whatever they did handled went went off pretty well, doesn't it? Oh yeah, I mean, usually operations go relatively smoothly. You know, it, it, that's it's nowadays that's not the issue. The communication is usually very good, and the operation is usually okay. You know, it gets uh, and one of the commands, like an army unit or a Navy unit or an Air Force unit will be in charge of, well, they'll get the primary authority for the operation and then the other commands have to work with them. But it's it's all under the auspices of the UNS command. So who, who's, whose job is to call Iran and say it could be you next, so watch it? Well, that should be the uh, feds should take care of that. that. That's that's not the UNS command's job to do that. Right, I would imagine that. Mike, well, thank you very much. Uh, Kevin, uh, I figured we had to get this stuff done with our with our military liaison this morning, and I like the Boeing stuff. So, uh, by the way, there's no show on Monday. Um, we have Martin Luther King Day, so the markets are closed. But I will talk at you guys next week, and I'll, I'll call All you right. this weekend, Kevin. I'll be bored with three days off, you know. Yeah, I'm sure I'll hear from you in the morning. So, where are you going? Uh, where are you going to watch the game that you can't get at your house tomorrow? Um, I, I'm not. Let me see. I, I haven't even looked at the NFL. I've, I've got uh, basket, men's basketball on 
uh, Saturday afternoon, and then women's basketball on Sunday uh, afternoon. So it strikes I'll, I'll be the Irish. Well, the Browns are playing Houston on NBC on Saturday, and then the Kansas City game is the one that's on Prime, I think. So they made the the uh, what they would Prime consider the, on Peacock. Peacock. Uh, it's on Peacock. You're right, Kevin. Uh, I might or might not have Peacock. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Are the are the Irish men's getting any better? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seems like they are. Yeah, they, they're playing they a little are. better. They're, yeah, they're they're still you know they're still pretty iffy offensively, um, but they've really really um, started to come together as uh, playing good team defense. So um, yeah, they you know they're kind of following the path I thought they would. I told you all at the beginning of the season that they would be um, uh, they they would not start out well. They would uh, they would be tough because they have all these guys who've never played together, and that by the end of January they're going to be a pain in the ass for anybody who has to play them. Well, good for them. It's always good being a pain in the ass, you know. Just saying. Um, I, I'll try my best to do that. Yeah. <laughs> SP Futures down 14. SP Futures down 61. Be right back, Mr. Carl Denninger. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. And I've been taking care of business every day. Taking care of business every week. I've been taking care of business. Welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. Rick on the board. SP Futures down 10. NASDAQ Futures down 47. Do we have uh, Mr. Carl? I, uh, I, I thought I heard him there for a second, but he was very light. You, you, there yeah, you are. You have me. Yeah, yeah there you go. Um, so I hear you're coming out of retirement. You and Greg are going to set up a, uh, a shop to, to trade the Bitcoin ETFs. Oh, my God. I, you know, <laughs> it's the, the funny thing about it is there's, there's been so much you know, hype on all sides of this thing. The futures have been available for quite a while. All right, so I mean, if if you want to trade these things, uh, you know, of course, futures contracts have more than a little bit of leverage on them. Yep. Um, so you know, you can get uh, bent over the table pretty fast with those things if you're, uh, you know, if you're imprudent in how you use them, uh, and a lot of people are. But uh, I. <laughs> I, I, one of the things that I that just astounds me is that this kind of a thing um, it's it's just a gambling vehicle, okay? But then again, so much else is these days anyway. Um, it's it's trading like an artificial stack. Well, but it's not okay. Well, but, but, I mean, it, 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 but that's but I mean that's you know. 
so that's that's kind of the thing is that there's the criticism is that well you know what are you doing it's you know it's 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 basically just uh you know ghosts in a machine if you will and uh, and then there's there's structural issues with things like bitcoin as well and that um essentially 90 90 some percent of all of the coins that have ever been allegedly mined um are held by a couple of people I mean, if you think stocks are concentrated in the hands of a handful of you know, wealthy people, and they are, um, you, you really don't want to look at the distribution when it comes to cryptocurrencies because th- structurally they're designed that way. And, and by the way, the, the people that hold them are the people that designed them. And, and so, I mean, it's not... <laughs> you want to talk about a tulip mania... If well, we right. could actually, if you, if we could actually invent tulips, okay, not just grow them, not yeah, but, 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 them, but at least if, at the end of the day, you had a tulip. Well, I, I don't know what you do with a tulip other than look at it, though. Well, you right? can plant it. Well, I, I'm saying, I mean, yeah. what do you do with it other than look at it, right? But, but when, it's something. When you're all done, yeah. But it's, but it's something, yeah. Um, but this is, you know, the. The thing that always has has and, and I've gotten into a bunch of debates about that. Oh, my too. This is crazy. And and it's just and my what I keep coming back to is this: every scam that I have ever seen in my you know in my adult life, uh, whether it be multi level marketing, whether it be you know whatever happened, whatever it is, somehow it is always designed by the people who built it that they end up with the lion's share of the control and and not by a little okay you know i mean right. and, oh, yeah. and and the little guy basically the, the guy that gets in later basically has no i mean statistically zero chance of it being okay for him or her all right now that's not to say that there aren't people who win because there are people who win and and that's the whole reason that these things perpetuate but you know, you take a look at like the the you know the classical MLMs, right? Where you you know where you've got your downlines and you know this sort of thing, right? You get a piece of the other guy's sales for the, oh, yeah. that you recruited, and and there's been a huge fight over the years. Are these are these things actual businesses or are they schemes? And you know, should they be illegal? All right, I mean, you know, there was a big debate about Amway, you know, the, the classical one, right? And the problem with all of them is that the entire premise that you use to get other people to get involved in this thing isn't that you sell soap. Okay. Right. It's it's that you get other people to sell soap. And the problem with all of these schemes is that there's only a certain number of people on the planet. And once you get to a certain point, it, it becomes mathematically difficult, but not necessarily impossible. For you to end up in a situation where you have enough of, you know, you have enough of a connectivity to this thing that that's, you know, that you're one of the winners, so to speak, uh, and that's always the problem with these things. And I, I mean, the, the, you know, the idea that this is that the dollar is going to become, uh, you know, an extinct currency, Bitcoin is going to rule the world. It's, I, I've been, you know, how many times you've been told this about gold, right? Yeah. All right, that you know, that oh no no no, they're going to go back to the gold standard. Well, to, to, why why would you believe that someone would? Why would if you were in charge of a of a nation's currency, 
and, and, and by the way, the way you become in charge of a nation's currency is you get to denote, you get to tell people what they have to pay their taxes in. Okay. Oh yeah, I want to know. Well, I mean, if you think about. It. Did you go to another room? We lost you for a sec. I don't, that's isn't that the, right. you know the, the gating factor, right? Uh, well, yeah. What do you have to pay your taxes denominated in? I mean, that's kind of the rule. Well, right? there's a there's there's a logical and, and you know, kick me where I'm wrong here is a. There's a logical group, and the people who are involved in this, as a matter of fact, one of the listeners called me yesterday and said he had a debate with some young guy, and the guy was a total believer, and he just said he was so exasperated he had to leave. <laughs> but I, I mean, I don't think anybody, well, I don't know if anybody, I don't know everybody, but does anybody rail more about what we're doing to our currency than me and you and the people on this show? I mean, I mean, we, you don't want to be on a gold standard because every time a country has a problem, they go off the gold standard. And then maybe maybe they go back on it, like we did after the Civil War. But it's it's a way of disciplining people's currency where you don't continually uh, devalue your currency to try and you know beg Peter to pay Paul, so where you're making more money and, and, and that type of thing. So, yes, is, in my opinion, and I believe I'd, I'd include you in this, is the the current Federal Reserve, and it's not just them. I mean, they're, they're, they're the ones that are being directed. By deflating the value of the U.S. currency, you're going to do two things. You're going to create inflation. Now, what's that going to do? Well, it gives you more to spend, but it also means that when people, when you borrow money, when people pay you the money back, it's worth way less than when you took it from them. So it's a total right. Ponzi. But, but having said that, the U.S. dollar, I think, has been managed horribly. Okay, and it's not worth anywhere near a dollar of what it was, well, clearly four years ago. I think it's like worth 35 to 40% less. But it's not zero. It's not like we, we don't have a plane that just bombed these guys yesterday. It's not like we don't have an aircraft carrier. It's not like we don't have bridges and roads and you know forests and trees and stuff. We do. It's not zero. Now, the direction, now somebody says, well, okay, uh, nobody wants that because look what the fiat currencies are doing. They're going downhill. We need a new one. All right, so if, so if we need a new one, classic currency theory t- tells you, and there's a line somewhere, I don't know what book it's in, at some point currency will always drop to its, to its base level, meaning what it's actually worth. Now, okay, if, if somebody somewhere was smart enough or connected enough to come up with a world currency, say, all oh, you idiots, central bank, we're not going to trust you anymore, I'm coming up with a, with a Denninger, and a Denninger is worth, one Denninger is equal to a cup of oil. Or something like that, and you know, at the end of the day, no matter what, if you got a hundred denigers, you can go get a gallon of oil, whatever many hundred, whatever hundred cups get you. Then, then I get it, okay. And if all of a sudden these other guys just keep, de- you know, degrading theirs, degrading theirs, I could see the denigers being used for some world commerce, especially if it was easy to transact back and forth, and you didn't have everybody reporting on you every second you do it. I, I could see the denigers actually getting a big foothold unless the other unless the other people change their policies. I honestly believe that, Carl. But to say we're going to create something worthless and we're going to trade it. Oh, by the way, one of the reasons why currencies are important is they, they become storeholds of value. Well, if the thing trades up and down 20% in a week, that's not a storehold of value. It's exactly the opposite, right? Well, yeah, and, and you know, one of the things that I pointed out when... Um uh, over the years, and uh, it's it's 
it's something that's also in my book, but I've I've written quite a bit more on it, um, just you know over over time in the articles I put on the blog. Is that if you really wanted to have a stable currency, you know, gold gold. Everyone says that gold is okay, except most of the gold that has not been mined, uh, you know, that's in the ground that you have as a reserve. It's in the hands of African warlords and you know other places like that. It's not in the hands of reasonable individuals here or anywhere else. And so, as a result, uh, do you really want to give monetary control of your country to a bunch of people in some other land? I don't care where it is. The answer is no. All right. So the but the way you could do this is you could actually index your currency to a unit of energy. For example, BTUs. Okay. Um, now that's an invariant. Yeah, but, but no matter what you're doing, Carl, you're 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 trying to bind your central bank to some level of uh, reason. And right, and and, and, and the and, problem is people will cheat. People will cheat, and it, I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with quote the gold standard. I mean, I, I don't, it just means that if uh, that that the U.S. Well, however you denominate it. You know, it's a thousand dollars an ounce. It's five thousand, whatever it is. Then somebody somewhere, if you put more money in the system, and Charles de Gaulle used to do this, if you put more money in the system to where technically you're, it's it's five thousand dollars an ounce, but you got so many dollars out there, there's really ten thousand out there for every ounce you have. Then somebody like de Gaulle is going to show up with all your dollarses and say, "Okay, give me the gold," and they're Walk not going to match right. up. They're not going to match up. That's the problem. They don't match up. So, so yeah. it's a, what you're saying is instead of using gold as a discipline, let's use energy as a discipline. What I'm saying is these guys don't want any discipline. But then, well, the, well the, that's right. And, and so basically the, the basic bottom line and what, where I keep coming back to with this is that you could do something like this. Um, and, you know, and, and you claim that this is, a, this is a means of enforcement. The problem is it isn't a means of no, enforcement. No, it isn't. The means of enforcement doesn't have to be gold or, or an energy link or whatever. The means of enforcement has to be that if they do this kind of thing and they can't justify it, for example, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a war going on right now, okay, that we have to somehow pay for. Um, oh, by the way, somebody's invading us, and if we don't do it, we're not going to be worrying about having a country at all. Uh, if that sort of situation is not currently the case... And they pull this stuff. You drag them out of office by their hair. You take them out in the middle of the National Mall. You put a big tree stump in the middle of the National Mall, and you cut their head off. And and if you do stuff, you know, if the people enforce it, at least with the threat that that's going to be the consequence. Well, Carl, first of all, you have to get to the point where the last four years are a perfect example. Look at what's happened to various strata of society with this policy. The policy is oh, oh, I know. And, but, but, but if you talk to some of the nicest, most reasonable people that just, I'm, I'm, you know, you and I, as, as Russell says, as much as you hate to admit it, you're an economic one percenter. Nobody knows this stuff. Right. No, I know. And uh, you know, you could get somebody who just, uh, you know put somebody's eye back together and did something more wonderful than I've ever done in my life. And you try and talk to that guy about the fact that his money that he now has is worth 30% less than two years ago and his eyes are going to gloss over. He said, what are you talking about? It's like him talking to me what he just did to somebody's eye in surgery. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, that's the, unfortunately the reality of it is exactly that. And then, and then, and part of this is that number one, we don't teach it. 
we don't consider it a valuable thing to understand okay and so it's it's you know it's not um, number two is that a lot of the people who are allegedly responsible for teaching it have every reason to BS you right and 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 oh by the way uh, why because uh, they make money doing it well duh well, wh- and, why, and why is the why is it that, I mean some of the people I'm talking about I mean Audrey has a lot of friends and they're all really good at what they do they have a bunch of different I have friends too. I mean, even my guys with you know my my attorney buddies and my judge buddies that are the one percenter in their field, and and some of them you know they're not investors, so they have a million you know they've saved up their whole life, they got a million bucks in the bank for their retirement, and uh, I said, don't you realize in the last five years your million's only worth six hundred and you didn't get any interest? Right. And they go, what do you mean? It's a million bucks. It, it's a million. Uh, it's not. Yeah. Well, it's it it's yeah. What I said is that nobody. <laughs> I I keep saying, but nobody ever listens. I don't care how much money you have. I care what it buys. Yeah, it, but but nobody thinks that they 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 measure other things against the dollar. They never measure the gut dollar against the other things. And you know what, Carl? It, it took me in grad school a long time to 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 understand that because. You don't understand that in the U.S. because it's only the dollar. If you live in Europe, you you learn it from age five. When every time you right. walk across the street, you got to change your currency. Well, you don't anymore because you got the euro, but you used to have. To. Well, I got the euro, but you used to. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you if if you were in Germany and you went to Switzerland, okay, uh, surprise, yeah. So it, well, and I, <laughs> I mean, you don't think over there. Uh, oh come it, on, it, chief. It, I mean, I you know I recognize this. I. You know, I travel a little bit internationally. I, I, I go take a cruise. I get off the ship. I go into a, a bar in Mexico. Okay. Right. It's right on the end of the pier. Hey, wait a minute. These tequila shots are, you know, for 20 bucks, I can get so drunk I can't stand. Right? And, and these things would be 10 bucks a piece in a bar in America. Yeah. It's the same damn bottle. Well, I, I mean, no, nobody, when you go to the gas station, you look at a gallon of gas and you say it's worth $4. Okay, well, it's a little less than that now. Nobody ever says the gallon of gas used to buy me three dollars now or three dollars now 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 it's two and a half or something. It's it, right. it's the flip side of the equation. But nobody, if, if that's all you ever see in your life, and I include myself in that, till I was stuck in an international economics class, I was a dunce in there. Until I, it, that's what it took to figure it out. It, it's the other way. It's the thing in your pocket that's degrading, not the thing at the pump. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> You know, when I, when I was when I was a younger thing, um, during the 1970s, uh, there was there was a period of time when gasoline was considerably cheaper in Canada than it was in the United States. Oh yeah, and and part of that was the fact that there was a very favorable exchange rate. Okay, so so not only was the fuel less money, but but <laughs> in American money, it was, it was well. Even they better. also. They also were so convinced in some areas your distances you had to travel were so big they didn't kill you with tax. Well, I mean, uh, you know, the price at the pump includes the tax, right. right? So, I mean, you know, so there was, they, everything, especially when you start talking about, you know, things like gasoline that are sold, you know, inclusive of taxes. Because, you know, when you go into a store, the price you see on the shelf isn't the price you pay out the door. I, I yeah, mean, but it's nothing like gasoline where they charge a sales tax on the other taxes oh yeah well that's i mean you know tax charging you tax on taxes is one of the more evil things to do to somebody but that's you know what else is new right yeah but yeah it's it's just we we live in a world today where people 
you know, you look at the situation, you say, well, you know, how come these houses are $500,000? Well, wait a minute, why aren't we asking why the, why the money doesn't, <laughs> you know, why isn't it 100 grand, right? And, and what everybody seems to think is, well, the answer to this is to, is you must have a $15 minimum wage. That's not the right answer to that question. Um, no, uh, but there's other, there's all kinds of other stuff in play there as well. Well, I understand. Well, I understand yeah. that. But the, but the point being, that people think that there is some way that we can address this issue by going down that road, okay? And that's that doesn't work. And and the reason is the people who get their hands on it first are the ones who are always going to skim off the biggest piece of it. Well, and so, so you are never if if you you boost you manage to vote yourself a fifteen dollar minimum wage, you are not going to see the benefit of that, guaranteed. Well, I there's uh, I actually spent uh, uh, well, it was a year. I don't know, it was two was a two part class or not. I did uh, remember the coach, Coach Leahy at uh, in Notre Dame. We had a uh, uh, whole, whole course in labor economics. And what and and there there are you know I'm not going to say economic laws but there's economic theories and whatever that that sort of makes some sense and every once in a while you see because of other things in play like you've been as best than anybody talking about the healthcare system that all of a sudden something be it because of their monopoly because they're a cartel or a duopoly whatever it is or have they have government this or that. All of a sudden, something it becomes so non-competitive that it just jolts everybody else. You know, any some kind of a right. anybody doesn't think that a you know a twenty thousand dollar cancer drug, when the when the company costs you know costs them five hundred dollars for the shot, doesn't deflect work its way through economy in, in, in a dramatic in a dramatically negative mode, except for the drug company, is crazy basically. Uh, but what what you see in, in, in labor economics, it ought to be. Um, that a, a store, big box, whoever it is, if you if you've got all this stuff, all these parts, and you're building something, and there's a demand for your product, and you hire five people, and all of a sudden they put parts together, and all of a sudden you're making God knows what per day because everybody wants your part, your your finished product. You you should hire people at a wage at, to the point where um, you're the last person in the door. He's he's given you twenty five thirty dollars worth of product. For the twenty-five or thirty dollars that you're paying them, the last person should almost be even. That the other people should be, you're paying them twenty-five, but they're making you fifty or seventy-five or hundred. And but somewhere along the line, this starts to get to the point where it gets very jaded. I mean, I'm going to say that if, if you and I went to work for Walmart tomorrow, in the tire section, just because of the way we are, three months from now, that tire section will be selling way more tires than they ever sold. Just because that's you and I do stuff like I mean it's well it's just because that's that's how we but we but, do things but we have no ability to, for them to say well gee this Carl and Chief guy instead of making fifteen dollars now they really should be making like I won't say a hundred but you know, maybe like twenty they can't even do that to the well point- you know it's yeah I mean when I when I was running MCS I had a guy that he he was the most unlikely hire you'd ever you'd ever seen no degree he used to be a chef. Uh, came in and wanted a job doing sales, doing outside sales, and I and I said, Wait, you know. <laughs> I mean, how do you assess that one, right? Yeah, yeah. 
So I, so I told him, I said, well, I'll, I'll tell you what. I said, and, you know, he had the tale of, well, you know, he really needed a job, da-da-da. You know, the place he'd worked for had gone under, out from under him. You know, was, I mean, it's not his fault. He's the chef and the restaurant closes. Uh, and I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, I, you know, I had some extra cubes. I said, it cost me nothing to put a phone and a computer on a desk. Um, so, you know, here's a territory. If you want the job on straight commission, fine. I, uh, uh, you know, you got six days to prove yourself. Then I'll give you the territory to somebody else. That guy had weeks that he made more money than I did. Yeah, well, okay. And I mean, he could sell ice cubes to Eskimos. He he ended up being the most valuable salesperson that I had ever employed, ever, and that I'd ever seen work anywhere. But he was extremely motivated because the only way he got paid is if he sold. Right. Okay. Well. So, but you know what? But he did, and and he came up with I, I don't know how in the blazes he does it, but there are some people that are just very good at that kind of thing, and sometimes they're not the people you know they're not the guy that that went off to college and got some degree in marketing or no 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 you they're, they're, sometimes they're the most unassuming person that you you'd never believe would be that dude. Everything every, everything's a challenge. They believe in what they're selling, and every, and, and and if somebody doesn't buy it. It's 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 shame on them because they really need it. Yeah, and it, and I mean you know he could, but he, uh, seriously he could have sold blocks of ice to people who live north of the Arctic Circle. Well, some of the math, <laughs> some of the math you get. I there's a uh, uh, Thai restaurant up by Odds and uh, in Orland, and the, the people there are are super nice. I mean the lady who runs it runs it, her, and uh, and her husband he's a does remodeling and he well he helps run the restaurant too. But more than anybody needs to know. But they have a cook, and now they. As the prices started to go up a few years ago, they uh, they raised theirs, but still, it's a it's a you know you bring your own wine. It's you know it's a very uh, shall we say worth it place to go, and the food's delicious. But so the I see the you know the stuff's creeping up. It's not like eight dollars anymore. It's you know twelve, and now it's fourteen. But still, it's you know cheaper than anybody else. And uh, so I'm sitting there going, okay, I, the cook is leaving, and the guy says, well, you know, he's moving. He got another job. I said, okay, uh, it's not my job to pry, although I do want to hear this stuff because I, I, it's, it's my economic background and I have this, this insatiable curiosity about it. So I'm starting to look at the menu, and I'm thinking, I'll bet carry out and inside this guy's good for, what is a, what is a really good Thai cook good for per hour? Uh, i got to believe he's good for 25 dinners an hour. Easy. Maybe more, right? Yeah, maybe more, right. I'm going to also say 30, so okay. We just upped the average price in the last two years of every dinner, three bucks. So he's got an additional $90 an hour that somebody's bringing in the door. Now, I'm not saying your cost of food hasn't gone up somewhat. And the guy says, geez, we, he was making 12 and we offered him 18 And I'm going, I didn't say a word. He said, but somebody else is going to pay him like 24 And I'm going, the other guy's getting a bargain too. I mean, yeah. I mean, when yeah. I, when look at the... But, by the way, he brought an extra ninety in the door. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and so I mean, but you, over a long period of time, that you've been on the show one from time to time, have talked about how people being able to offshore this labor over really a twenty-five year period, certainly since two thousand or before, that labor has not been able to have their place at the table like they normally would have. Their 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 their, their economic power has been drained by the overseas stuff. Well, it's not just the overseas stuff. It's also the games that are played with people here in the United States. Right. 
And and believe me, if I, you know, I mean, some of it, and I know more and a little bit about it because I know people that are in that, you know, in that area of, of working and how they're, you know, how they're being compensated and what these guys are doing. Basically, every large business is doing this sort of stuff. I And, you know, I mean, I could pick on individual firms, but it, but that would... To the extent that that generates a negative reaction towards them, it's actually harmful because it's the other guy gets to skate, right? And everybody else is doing it too. So this, the only way you stop this is through a concerted application of the law. And what these guys are—if I tried to do this, I would have gone to jail. Okay, well, give, I give, give us a for instance. Well, for instance, you have your customer services all now. You know, you don't need to. All my customer service people had to sit in the office because they had to have a phone on their desk, right, and a computer, yeah. right? Okay, and so, all right. Well, uh, guess what? Uh, the phone has to be connected to the phone system. The computer has to be, you know, connected to the network. Um, you know, this was before we all had uh, fairly high quality VPNs and all this other stuff. And um, so, you know, the, all these people are in the building. Well, now you don't have to be in the building anymore. But these guys, so what these guys have done is they've put all this stuff out in 1099 contractors. They specify the number of hours you must work. You have to, you know, you have to meet their job requirements. Your computer must meet their, their requirements. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're exercising all of the elements that on, on a analysis basis makes you a W-2 employee. Sort of like a college football player. Uh, sort of like a college football player, yeah. and yet, and yet, nope, you're 10.99. And oh, by the way, they're doing things then like charging you a fee. As as the employee, they're charging you a fee for the connectivity back into their network, so for their phone system. So they pay you like you know 11 bucks an hour, all right. But then oh, by the way, there's a, you know two dollars an hour worth of fees deducted back out for these these various things. All of which are tools that you have to have to do the job, and they're charging you for them. Well, I hear tell that it, uh, years ago, and we went to a restaurant, and the guy also owned a strip joint, that like on a Friday night for a, a busy night, the ladies would have to pay the place for the eight-hour shift. Yeah, I mean, this is... Yeah, it's like you the know, same, same, same principle. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it is. Oh, by the way, PPI's out, neg, neg oh. point one. Okay, well, let's. Uh, what do you say we go to break, come back and talk about that? SP Futures uh, down four now only. As if it's down 12, so they like that number. We'll be right back. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now.
Blowing one pick, stocks, stocks, time, time, how? Rick Peppis on the board. I have PPI for final demand falls 0.1% in December. Goods decreased 0.4%. Services unchanged. So it's got the S&P futures coming all the way back to even, same way with NASDAQ. So uh, we, we, we like it. We had the bad number, well, the hot number yesterday, and uh, not so hot today. At least uh, that's the early read. We'll get Carl's interpretation of that. Um, our weather guy here keeps saying that uh, the weather's not going to be so bad, but obviously we got enough snow where it covered our dish, so our TV's not working. Now, you would think the weather guy that made such a prediction would be up on the roof sleeping off the dish, but he's, he, he's right here, actually. So Dow Futures down 197 uh, over in Europe. We've got the uh, DAX up 96 now, 0.6%. FTSE up 50 points, 0.7%. CAC around up 48. That's uh, 0.7%. So bullish in Europe today. Over in Asia, Nikkei is up a huge again. 527,150 or way over 35,000 here, which is these are 1990 numbers for God's sake. Uh, Hang Seng down 57, 16,244. Shanghai down five, still buried under two, uh, 2,900, 2,881. We're gonna get uh, Carl's opinion on just where this China thing is going and, and is it a problem uh, now or, or someday? Yesterday we had a, a day before a number. Uh, you know we had a number yesterday morning. We were down all day, and it came flying back on the close. Dow was actually up 15, S&P down 3, NASDAQ up 53 cents. So we had about as flat a day as you could have. Uh, bonds unchanged at 3.97. The bond uh, down 5 basis points, 2.15. Japan down 1 basis point at 0.59. They've been right around 60 for a long time there. Oil up on the uh, what's going on in the Red Sea, the airstrike against the Houthi people. Uh, oil up 222. 74.24, so it broke out of the recent range. It actually did top 75 hours for a second last night after when the raids were going on. A Brent up 229.79.70. Natural gas up 11 cents, 3.20. Arabob up 6 cents, 2.17. We've got gold, big moving gold here, up 33 bucks, 2,052. Silver up 49 cents, that's over 2% moving silver. 23.20, copper unchanged, 3.78. Uh, we've got Bitcoin. Which is uh, the ETFs were approved this week, but it's down today, down 713 to 45,808. And the US dollar uh, was uh, up a little bit. Uh, now it's, uh, or was uh, up, up appreciably, but now it's almost unchanged with the uh, euro back to 1096 and the British pound back to 1276. So it's like uh, single digit uh, basis points there. So not much on the dollar. Greg, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Look what the weather's done to our TV. <laughs> Morning, everyone. 7.36 here Central Time. 34 degrees here in Chicago with the winter storm warning. 36 today. We'll probably have that snow turn to rain at about 11 and then turn back into snow around 5 p.m. Cold in Phoenix, too. Got 37 right now. 56 today, mostly sunny and cool. Traffic is uh, limited visibility and added times. Montrose to the unchanged 23 minutes, inbound Edens from Lake Cook 55 minutes. Uh, Eisenhower from Wolf in is 35 minutes and 95th to the interchange is 66 minutes on the Ryan and 294 to the Ryan is 50 minutes on the Stevenson. NHL Coyotes lose at home that was to Calgary 6-2. Hawks lose in Winnipeg that was 1-2 and men's college basketball Illinois Eked out Michigan 71 6 or Michigan State, excuse me, 71 68 at home. And that's all I got, Chief. Back to you. Um, Carl, what do you make of these numbers? Well, uh, essentially, all of this softness was in energy and surprisingly in foods. Um, 
Not seeing that in the in the CPI on the food side. We'll see if it filters through in the next you know three six months, which is about what you'd expect from you know final demand. Um, the other thing that's interesting though, and I and this one I've been watching for a while because it's been going on for the last four or five months, is that in trade transportation, um, really for all the way back to like August, uh, there's been a fairly profound negative impact, and there was for a decent part of the uh, the first few months in 2023 as well. I'm. <laughs> I, you know, this looked like a trend. It looked like trouble, and then it, it kind of leveled out uh, in the middle of the the year. People were kind of breathing a sigh of relief. I was at least, you know, okay, maybe it's not so bad. So, well, now it's in the toilet again, and so this is this is a serious issue because, of course, um, by the way, if you want to know why diesel prices have come way down, it would be from there, okay, uh, which is a confirmation. Because when you refine oil, uh, you get a certain amount of diesel, a certain amount of gasoline, and then you know all the other things that come off the crack. And you can adjust that to some extent, but you can't take a barrel of oil and say, "I want all gas." Okay, that's that's well, you, not a choice. You could, but it would be four dollars a gallon. I mean, you almost could. Well, you'd be throwing the rest out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, which is one of the reasons. I mean, that's that's the reason that gas used to be so cheap is that comparatively. There wasn't demand for it compared to the demand that there was for fuel oil and lubricating oils. Okay, and so you had an excess of gasoline. Well, you know, basic economics tells us when you have an excess of supply compared to demand, guess what happens to the price? But diesel was was cheaper than gas for decades. For a long period of time, right? right. And and that was simply because, again, as as America you know, bought more and more cars, more SUVs, and this. Uh, the price of uh, the price of the two, you know, that shift between those uh, happens on that margin, and it's simply because you cannot modify to any great degree the amount of diesel and the amount of gasoline you get when you refine a barrel of oil. Uh, it's it, you can shift it some, but not a large amount. I have a question that I, I shouldn't ask you because there's no reason for you to know the answer except that you always seem to have the answer. Um, a, a barrel of oil is forty-four gallons, right? 44 so you, gallons, right. Normally, I think you get, what, like, I'm going to say 28 gas, and I'm, 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 I'm going to be off a little bit, but does it matter if the oil's crappy versus good? When I say crappy versus good, are we talking, you know, Pennsylvania light or West Texas versus, like, you know, Saudi sand? Is is the ratio different, or just the amount of crap in there higher? There's some, there is some difference, but it's not large. The, pri- the primary difference is that sour oil has a lot of sulfur in it. And we now demand that that not end up in the fuel. Okay, and, and that's actually probably a good thing. I mean, sulfur dioxide it used to be really in diesel bed. Well, sulfur, sulfur yeah, and, and there were, you know, not only is that an environmental problem, because sulfur dioxide, um, sulfur gets burned, Oxygen's there. Uh, it turns into sulfur, uh, sulfur oxides. Sulfur dioxide makes sulfuric acid, which is acid rain. Right. You don't want right. that, especially on your you new don't car. W- yeah, that's bad. On your new $100,000 um, Jeep, you don't want acid rain. Well, I mean, getting that, you know, getting that out of the environment is a good thing. Um, but it costs quite a bit more money to get it out when you're refining it. It's more expensive. So the to process the heavier crude you have to have you know the refining process is more expensive it costs more uh but the the basic the basic rule is but the crude's cheaper 
the crude's cheaper, so there's, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a yin and a yang to this, right? Um, but the basic rule is is three, two, one, which is you put three barrels of oil in, you get about two barrels of gasoline and about one barrel of diesel. And then all the other the lubricants and all the other crap come out of the bottom of the thing, basically. Yeah, the, the rest is, you there's know. There's also a five, three, two. Um, I'm not. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a, you know, and you can shift that a little bit. Okay, there's a, there's a cattle you can use what's called a catalytic reformer that that changes that ratio some, but you can't change you can't say I want all gasoline. That's not a choice. No, that's 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 not one of your options. So so yeah, so I mean there's that shift is there, but this is this is something that I've noted for a while is that this the the uh, trade transportation on the services side has has been in the toilet and has suppressed the the PPI from a standpoint you know so like this month the the services index is unch okay you take trade transportation warehousing um, out of the mix it's plus point four well that's that's five percent on an annualized basis all right so I mean this is uh, you know in all of this though is in trade transportation warehousing is where the where the you know the drop is coming from um and that's the downward pressure and on the and on the good side it's the the majority of it is coming from energy although now this this month uh supposedly they say it's in foods too so and that's a fairly large number neg neg point nine so uh you know and, and again take those two out goods is unch well Carl, when do we and i think the answer to this question is actually never when do we uh, when could we or should we, and if if both of those are a yes, when do we and how do we? To me, I mean, again, this has been I've studied this my whole life uh, because that's what I did when I first my f- second job. Uh, is right now, I mean, I I, I almost don't care honestly uh, whether the inflation debate going forward from all the talking idiots, talking heads, sorry. Uh, whether it's 2%, 3%, 4% going forward. I actually think it's a higher end of that because we're still not counting the medical, medical stuff uh, to a large extent. But um, I almost don't care, but you and I have talked, and Russell probably more than anybody, this this price level is a problem for at 90% of the economy. And once in a while I hear somebody mention it on TV, but very very seldom. Right. The, what, what I saw two weeks ago, Chrysler bailing out of the auto show, that tells me that somebody at Chrysler says 90% of the people show up at this thing and it's going to cost can't us buy, a fortune. Can't buy the truck. Can't, can't buy the right. truck. So, I mean, someplace, somewhere, um, you know, maybe there's a lot of people probably that don't care that 90% of the people can afford a new car. They probably think, they're be- I'm better off, I can breathe better if they don't have a new car, by the way, I got four of them. I mean, we, there's a lot of that going on in this country right now. There's this, the, up, the upper crust think they should live forever totally different than, than anybody else. I mean, uh, I, I have, uh, you know, simple stuff. That you, if you just open your ears and talk to people, not to say any of the listeners don't, I think they do, uh, just little stuff. I, uh, one of the uh, guys, a I, I, real good friend of mine, uh, he's an older gentleman, older than me, um, and he has three kids that all have four kids, as well as 12 grandkids, and they all married very wealthy people. I mean, very well. I mean, we're talking well met kind of wealthy. And you look at the difference, and and the, these people are, his daughters are blue-collar people. They're, they're great people. 
but somehow you just get into this stuff you even forget that you're paying twice as much for your kids travel lacrosse team or hockey team than anybody else in the country even makes I mean, it, it, it's reached it's reached the incredible part here that you know you're talking about you know fifty sixty hundred thousand dollars a year for a travel hockey team for a 12 year old when a whole neighborhoods don't have a hockey rink or an ice skating rink or a basketball right. court I mean it's the, the difference is I've never seen anything like this Carl and, I, and part of it has to get back to this price level now the only way to, to attack it is to pull some money out of the system which right. you, you and I know that is going to take the market down some hopefully not a real hell of a lot but it'll take it down some the people who are running this country will not make that trade off they will not say we will we, we can if the market drops 35% by the way it was just up 35% and I don't want that to happen either because my clients I don't want them to lose any money or myself or you uh, but the fact is that's what would have to happen to corral you need to pull 10 15% gradually out of the the money supply so that the price of a truck is not 100 grand cuz nobody can pay, unless you find a way you're right Raising the minimum wage from thirteen bucks to fifteen bucks doesn't put anybody's ass in a truck. I'm sorry, at a hundred grand a truck, it, it, it don't even come close, does it? Right. Well, that's the problem. It's and you know what? This is an extension of what <laughs> we were all remember. We were all sold this with NAFTA. Okay, that what was going to happen was that the three dollar an hour Mexican wage was going to become fifteen. And and that was a few dollars less than America's, but not a lot, right? And then you know, with the benefits and everything else, it, but but that this would equalize very rapidly. Well, wasn't going to equalize. It was it was it was to create customers. It, we well, don't care if it ever. But that yeah, but we that's don't really, the point, Chief. Yeah, was that that the guy who built the truck down there would be buying trucks, well, or or razor blades, whatever it was. He'd be well, buying other stuff uh, from us because now exactly. he could. Yeah, the, yeah, that that essentially. That this, you know, this, this difference in wages, and we've heard the same thing with offshoring to China and that in India, and that's BS too. But this was this was on display. This was the argument for doing NAFTA in the first place, was that by doing this, we would create a huge shift, a tectonic shift, in the economic, the general economic condition of the people there, thereby allowing them to buy the products. Okay, and that would, and, and therefore, this wasn't going to drain all of our good-paying jobs out of America. What it was going to do was grossly increase the. Well, it was going to it was going to drain them for a little while, but it was going to come but back not for very long. Yeah, it was going to come back three years from now, totally in space. And, and you know what, Friedman was one of the biggest argument uh, people argue that this was going to happen. Sure, without oh, without a doubt, I sat in class with him. I mean, I, right, and, yeah, and I mean, this yeah. was his art, and, and boy, was he full of crap. Um, he was of the opinion, and there's still people that have this opinion, that if you interject... Well, let's put it this way. Um, it, it, Carol, you, you, without even knowing it, you talk about this a lot behind behind what you say. Other people, boy, it sounds awful, are not like us. We, we come from the British, European right. thing where we have laws and we, we have a, a... We, that whole tradition, has a five six hundred eight hundred year tradition of standing up to authority as much as how many people got arms and legs and eyes put out and and, and killed for it of standing up to authority and people having the balls to do it basically and and we somehow 
interject that that's going to happen other places. I mean, yeah. when I when I was at Pullman, the people on the line, uh, or you know whatever they were, wire room, whatever it was, essentially made a tenth as much as the chairman. Now, they didn't get there without having huge strikes, Pinkerton shooting people, and so right. forth during the twenties. But the battle was was quote fought, and it reached a point where there was some justification for what everybody got paid. Now I'm not saying unions. Didn't get too bureaucratic and you know whatever. Okay. But the fact is, there was there was a, uh, a tension there for out of out of the pie. People argued over who got what of the pie. Yeah. And, and for a long period of time, it, it it seemed fairly fair to me. Well, now, do you think uh, Zuckerberg feels bad about somebody making minimum wage in a, in a plant of his? Or how oh, hard? Did uh, that oh, obviously not. Yeah, obviously not. Right. So, but I mean, but but there's no. I mean, and I'm not asking him to, but I'm saying the point being there, there's no ability of the people in Mexico to up to uprise and say we're not we're not putting this Chevy together. You're selling for sixty grand, making three dollars an hour anymore. Screw that. Chinese obviously. Milton Friedman totally underestimated how much. Well, in China, it's political power. In, in Mexico, it's the power of the gangs and the intimidation they do. And somehow yeah. or another, the companies must be involved with the gangs because they can intimidate people as well. He, he totally underestimated that. But but in 1976, maybe that was okay. If he was alive today, he wouldn't underestimate it. He's not a dummy. Well, you'd think. I mean, yeah. I, it's I, it, the thing is, is that, you know, human nature, I, I, I do people, oh, no, no, this time it's different. Gee, how many times have you heard that in your investing career, right? I'll tell you something else he said, which was which now sounds totally screwed up. Somebody asked him about the, our, our, our deficit that was going up because we could you know, Vietnam War was going on, and, and right. these guys, and they come off the gold standard. And he said, he said, I remember this like it was yesterday. He said, it, it doesn't make any difference. It's like you owe your wife a hundred bucks. The house is flat. If, if if the U.S. government decides to borrow money for their people, the U.S. is flat. Now he totally didn't didn't uh, estimate, you know, Saudi buying half the debt. He didn't recognize China buying half the debt. He didn't realize that at some point. What percentage of the debt got overseas, and now you, you're you're beggaring against people? That, well, it's not ju- it's not just that. It's it's it, you know it, it never ceases to amaze me the people that have that have PhDs and are supposed to be smart, right? Because you're not supposed to be able to get one without being smart. You can't can't understand basic exponential functions, and somehow have this idea that that just isn't reality, right? All right. That that and by the way, the, this happens every single time with an exponential function because it's the laws of mathematics. They're, 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 you can't change them. That's how it is. By the way, you know you know who you're agreeing with, a Nobel Prize winner George Stigler. He was talking about one day well, about being a PhD in economics. He goes, if you want to, he says one day he goes, if you want to know how smart we really are, because it was a day like this with snowing, go out and look at all the cars we own. No normal person would buy a car that awful. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> but I mean, I you know, I just look at this stuff and I'm like, I you know, these guys that supposedly, you know, the Janet Yellens of the world. Okay, now, now, frankly, I think that I don't think she has much going on up up in top. But on the other hand, there are plenty of people who did. All right, Bernanke clearly did. Greens, um, Greenspan clearly did. Yeah, Greenspan clearly did. Geithner. Uh, arguably, probably did yeah. too. Now, 
The problem I have with those guys is I think they know exactly what they were doing, and they were screwing everybody, and they knew it. I think they're controlled by people who we don't want to control. Well, probably not, but, you know, whatever it is, they knew exactly. The, the problem I have with people like them is that they're not, you know, they're not stupid. They're intentionally screwing people. They're more dangerous. They're, they're way more dangerous. Yeah. Hey, would you mind if I, I shifted gears on you for, for the next six minutes in one of your favorite topics? I just want to bring something up Shoot. that I'm noticing. You and I, and actually one of the, uh, God bless, I, 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 uh, one of these times, Carl, I, I wish you were with me. I get a call from my, one of my attorney buddies, said, hey, I'm going to pop down the block if you're around. And I said, well, I'll, I'll hustle home. And I did, and, and, and he's talking to this lovely young lady who's just who's coming out of uh, Loyola Law School, her last year of uh, law school, and she's already got a job someplace, but she's been doing all her research in health matters in, in law school. And I, I, I hope I gave her a card. I said, you know, I'd love to have you on the air. And I said, I got just the guy you can be on the air with, meaning you. And she's up on a lot, and she was... She was all over the amount of people that are dying this year above how many we're supposed to and all that kind of stuff. And I was telling her, you know, this guy, Carl, hope your ears were burning. He keeps, he keeps all these stats and something. She goes, I go over that same stuff. I'd love to be on with that guy. So anyway, you, <laughs> you got a date <laughs> if, she, if, right. if she calls. And, uh, but you know what, I, what I'm noticing, Carl, and you can, you can uh, hit me with this one. The, you have been moving toward a lot of this has to do with the COVID, COVID shots. I mean, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, and you're on the side that says, we better be careful on this. And I'm, I'm kind of with you, we better be careful on it. But well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't like anything that, that you can't, you know, that has a potential long-term or permanent impact. And you I, can't I'm with prove you. it's not going to happen. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Some of the guys in the, in the building here, and I, they're my sounding boards for that that group, okay. When I say that group, people that are are buying their own insurance, maybe the the, uh, the place they work helps them out with some, but they're basically buying a, a horse bleep uh, policy. Yeah, hello, like me. Yeah, and it, well, but these guys are, I think the one that they have now is they have to pay either forty or fifty percent of the bill. After, well, after there's, there's ways that, yeah, and, and there's, uh, believe me, the, the only real point to those policies is, you know, God forbid you get cancer or you get hit by a truck or something like that, right? Um, and then it might keep you from going bankrupt, maybe. Well, I, I, it might, but I'm saying what, I, what I'm reading for these kinds of people, these, these kind why do I keep saying stuff like that? This strata of, 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 you know, they're not getting everything paid. They're not getting a Cadillac paid party right. paid for by somebody. I'm not talking about people being better or worse or, or, or anything like that. Everybody knows me better than that. Uh, but I, I think that what I'm reading between the lines is if they can't afford it, they're putting off initial treatment and they're, and they're, and they're putting off checkups. They're putting, wait a minute, that test six grand, I have to pay three, I'm not going. That That's what I'm I'm starting to think that maybe what you're seeing in the death stuff might be just as much that as it is the COVID stuff. You know, I don't think so, and I and I'll and I'll tell you why. Um, there's there is so much of that that I mean the the premise of it all sounds really good, right? All the screening things and stuff like this. I mean, it's the you know the the 
the logic sounds good and it's hard to argue the logic the problem is the implementation and the 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 fact that there is no such thing as a procedure or an action that does not come with risk that's uh, the risk-free thing is a myth oh, I sure don't is. care what it what it is it that's a myth um, I am becoming increasingly convinced that most of these interventions when you when you add those those bad effects back into the mixture um, most of them are at best a push or have it or very marginally move the needle in the right direction what they do do is make everybody a lot of money reliably oh, yeah. whether or not they actually help you in an objective way and and you know let's let's make it objective extend your life improve the quality of your life okay um uh, without bankrupting you <laughs> well, yeah, I, I just wonder when we had a I don't know if you probably listened to when I but we had Karen Reeves on when they were running for two years ago. So she said that during COVID, her mother-in-law, you know, knew she had, well, she felt a lump. I don't, I don't know, but uh, and and couldn't get in for a routine. What's the the, the chest thing for uh, ladies with the uh, cancer? What's the test they they use? Uh, what do you go in the, mam- the mammogram? Couldn't, yeah, the mammogram was considered elective. They they shut down. You couldn't get a mammogram. So she was six, eight months before she got in. When finally, when she wandered in, or was able to get in, it was, uh, uh, you know, stage four, and she lasted whatever six it's, months. It's, or something. Yeah, there's not, there's yeah. really nothing. I mean, they'll yeah. try, but there's nothing yeah. they can do. So right. I mean, and I know that during this kind of near the end of this mess, I needed an MRI on my back. I before I could, I could find some place to get in after everything kind of opened up again. Carl, it was a month. But I, you know, I didn't have cancer or anything. I mean, I ended up being okay. But I mean, it right. was. But I mean, now on top of that, I you know, I found a place that was a reasonable price. I think one of the places wanted six grand. Other places you can walk in and just order one for yourself and pay them two fifty. So if if my doctor, if I didn't know any better, and my doctor sent me to this place for six grand, I might say, wait a minute, my my share is three G. My back's not that bad. Well, what, what if they'd have found a tumor or something? You know, I mean, they didn't. Thank God. But uh, I, I think I think a real lot of this is going on. I mean, maybe more than either one of us either one of us think. Yeah, well, that's I mean, there's there's a lot of that sort of stuff, and there's a lot of but but there's also again there's you know there's all sorts of controversy, and I could I could go through it, but you know we just, we just don't have time. We're yeah. gonna run on we're gonna run the clock on this. Um, but there are so many of these things that identify something end up leading to an invasive procedure of some kind and when you take all those things and you put them together remember that unless unless the thing that they find is successfully addressed on a on a durable basis okay so i mean if they find cancer and they cut it out and and you know you go through whatever their regime is and it doesn't come back that's a win yeah yeah right that's a win but if they go through all this stuff and they do all this stuff and you die anyway... And your bill's still a million bucks. That's a big lose. That's a huge lose because you could have kept the money. Yeah. Okay? And, oh, by the way, 
you're still dead. Yeah. So so the thing is, is that there's you know this analysis is never ever done on a on a purely dispassionate basis. Oh God, no. You never is that done. And if you start looking at the complication proceed, you know the complication rates and things like this versus the catch rates where they actually lead to a cure. An awful lot of this preventative stuff all of a sudden looks like a money grab. It's, it's one thing to write a novel when you know the ending. It's quite another to do a research paper when you already have made your conclusion and, 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 shoved, and shoved the research in that direction, right? Right, and there's an awful lot of that kind of stuff yeah. that goes on. And, and uh, you know, so, I mean, I'm... Uh, you know, I mean, can I can I attribute any of this to the lockdowns? You know what? I think there's an argument to be made that that this this deferment actually maybe moved the needle in the right direction. Well, it's, it's right, I, so I just want to just want to bring it up and let you know what I've been hearing because I know you adjust your thinking. You adjust your thinking. Likely, yeah, I think it's equally likely that it went the other way. Okay. Okay. And, and well, that's that's fair. Uh, yeah. Um, specific stuff. No, not breast cancer. You better get on it. You know that type of thing. Uh, well, yeah, there's there's things that obviously that's not the case. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, somebody somebody with a bad shoulder, the shoulder might heal by the time he gets in. You know. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I tweaked. You know, I tweaked mine uh, a number of years ago, wrenching on a car, it, it, trying to get a bolt out of a differential at an odd angle. Oh god. Okay, and well, and it was my own fault. I mean, it was stupid. It wasn't that, you know, I couldn't apply that much force. It's just I shouldn't have done it while I was laying in that particular position doing it, you know, with the yeah. load taken that particular way. Well, I could have gone to the doc and had him, you know, do what it, they, they probably would have ended up wanting to do arthroscopic surgery on my shoulder. Well, guess what? Six months later, it was gone, but, yeah. it, but it stuck around for a while. Shoulder and injuries take a while to heal, but a lot of them do. I know. We well, it. and you take, you know, and you sit there and you wonder: should I, should I have gone in and had that, you know, had that thing MRI'd, and uh, 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 should I have done that? Should I? The lady from the lady used to be on the show with us that had the traffic accident and died two weeks ago. One of my best friends, her brother was in Chicago, went to uh, live with her in one of the houses we remodeled. Went to Michael Reese for his orth, um, his, uh, he's an orthopedic guy. That's where he went and did his residency. And, and they were very famous for shoulders back then, so I was always talking about shoulders. <laughs> Years ago, he said, "Yeah, a lot of times you're just trying to, if you're a professional player, you're trying to, you're trying to make the healing process faster. But a lot of times, if if it's the right stuff, you just, you know, some minor exercise in time, it'll heal. But right. but they want you back faster than that. So anyway, Carl, as, as usual, good stuff, buddy. Wait, it's not like we never, we never run out of stuff to talk about, do we? It's just kind of we never we do never seem to run out of topics. We seem always to run out of clock. Yes. <laughs> well, have a good weekend, bud. We're you trying too. to figure out here whether we're going to get six inches, eight inches, twelve inches, and we know it's going to be cold the next week. It's so. global warming. Yeah, I'm well, telling you, it's global warming. Well, well, you got twelve inches of global warming on the ground, Chief. Well, El Nino's disappearing. That was protecting us. S&P futures unchanged. Nasdaq futures down. They're unchanged as well. I don't want to add one of those. We'll be back, not on Monday, we'll be back on Tuesday, Stocks and Jacks, because uh, Monday is Martin Luther King Day and the exchanges are closed. So we'll be back on Tuesday. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing glue. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? 
Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.